Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. I know you guys reached way back in the archives for that song. <laughs> Which I appreciate because I actually, I there was a time, this, this will determine how long you've been around. When I led worship, I introduced that song. So yeah, it's that old. And so am I. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm not as old as Abraham is. So, yet. I think I'll be there. Abraham and Isaac, the test. Witness to the loving provision of God. Uh, we're moving through Genesis still. Um, if you're using a Bible that's out there in the chairs, it's page 21. Um, otherwise, we'll be in Genesis chapter 22. For those of you who aren't using one of the Bibles that are out there. This I've been waiting for this. This is my favorite, favorite story of all time in the Bible because there's so much tension. Now, I don't know about you, but I put myself in, in the place of these people sometimes and just imagine what it was like for Abraham. Because there's some crazy stuff. Now, you know, he was Abram, that's who he started out. And then he made a covenant, Abram made a covenant with God and became Abraham, and things changed for him, drastically. He started to move in faith. He started to go where God told him to go. He started to do things that were different from the world around him. Now, before, let's see, I had some stuff written down I want to make sure I got right when it came to him. Abraham, which means father of a multitude, and that was initiated when uh, God made his covenant. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many people. Uh, however, when Abraham was 99 and his wife was 90, they were still childless. Um, kind of challenging, don't you think? It's like, how's this going to work, Lord? It's like, we're waiting on you. When's it going to happen? Um, God had promised that Abraham would have children. And Abraham trusted God and believed that he could accomplish this through him just as he promised. Um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, was childless, so she and Abraham took matters into their own hands so they, they can get a child. Um, a son was born from the union of Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, and Abraham. His name was Ishmael. Thirteen years later, see, God was still waiting, God was still watching, and God was accomplishing. And then Sarah was found with child. Uh, shortly after that, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking and belittling her beloved son that God had blessed them with. And she didn't like it. And she said, they must go. Because this is God's promised child. And Ishmael was something that we did. And it was a mistake. And I see it now. And they sent them away. And God was still faithful to Abraham with Hagar and Ishmael. And he said, I will bless them and they will become a nation. And that's the nation we now know as the Arabian or Arab nation. Friendly, happy people. What were they thinking? See, we can't get ahead of God. We, we can't challenge his plan, yet we do all the time. Um, you and I both know, right? It's time. We battle with time. Because we think if it's on our timetable, it's going to work. 
If it's when we want it, it's the best time. And if it's how we want it, it's the best way. And that's not what God says. And, and when we take things into our hands, and that's what the story shows us, you know, they took things into their hands and they created a nation of tension globally today. It wasn't them, but it's global now. That's not everybody. We know that. But there's tension even over there among their own people. And that's a challenge. And it's, it's brought in on all sides. And it was from one decision. One decision. And that, it's, it's funny. You know, someone was talking to me this morning about, oh, being a father and all oh, your kids and all that. And it's like, I never am at peace <laughs> in the sense of my kids are done and all set. Because one decision can trash it all. And so that's why it's so, you know, as parents, you know, we pray like crazy once we have children because so many things are out of our hands. And so, you know, I like to look at this and like God the Father and Abraham's his child and he's doing these things. And why won't he listen to dad? Why won't he just follow him? Why won't he trust his timetable here? It's a battle we all struggle with. And, and I hope this morning you identify, all of us can identify with Abraham because there's the tension of, I want to do what God wants and I want to be the, the man or woman of God that I'm called to be. But then there's all of these circumstances that are in my face all the time. And I battle with them. And I think I know what's going to meet my needs and I think I know what's going to get me out of problems and yet God says, no, you need to trust me and trust my plan. All right, so let's dig into the text a little bit because all this stuff happened and then chapter 2 came about. Chapter 22, starting in verse 1. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, I find it interesting that God's timing, right? God's timing is always perfect and it's always interesting. Because what happened was, is he had sort of two sons, definitely two sons in his own mind, and now he's gone away. So now Ishmael literally is the one, the only, the beloved, the chosen one, the one that God promised, and he's the only one around now. And now God is going to say, okay, where are things really at with your heart? Where are things really at in your mind? Where are things really at with our relationship, Abraham? And the test comes. Now the test contains four parts. Obedience, faith, surrender, provision. Um, it's interesting, if you go through the Bible and just do a word study on just finding where Abraham is mentioned, he is salted all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament. Um, he is such a pivotal person in what God's plan was because we see how the faith element, we get so caught up sometimes in the law and what it brought because it was so dominant. But if you really dial back to what God was doing in Abraham's life and the fact that it was a faith relationship with God that could bring redemption, that's what was going on. But it's still people, we, as people, we struggle and we go through these things and we, we fight it sometimes because we think we know better than God. And it's, it's the lie that's out there all the time. So part one, obedience. 
Verse 2. It says, then he said, take now your son, your only son. Now see, that's how God sees him there. Don't miss that. It's a little detail, but God sees Isaac as the only son. He's, he's the one of promise. He's the one that I gave you. Don't miss this, Abraham. So take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. <sighs> I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what goes through your head in that kind of a circumstance. And it doesn't even make sense when you really think about it. It's like, okay, God, you gave me this boy that you're, you, it's a boy of promise and he's going to be a nation and you're going to use him and now you want me to sacrifice him? That's ludicrous. But we don't hear any of that verbiage, do we? We hear more. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. Now he, Abraham, split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. There's something we learn immediately from Abraham here. He didn't pray about it. He didn't think about it. He didn't talk to people about it. You know, should I do this? Is this the right thing I do? The right thing to do? See, when we hear from God, and when we know what his truth is, and when it's crystal clear that this is what God says we should do, there's no discussion. There's no discussion. Because when things are clear, when God shows you this is how it is, his expectation is for us to do it. And we battle with that. Now, I'm not saying Abraham didn't battle in his heart, but in his actions, he obeyed. And not only did he obey, he became very personal about this. This became something between him and God. He went out. He could have had somebody, right? He was a man of, of means. He could have said, you know, I need some wood. Make sure I have some wood. And I need. He took care of it all. He was the man. And this was between him and God and his relationship with him. And he wanted to make sure he was connected to what was going to happen here. And he didn't want to miss a beat. And he didn't want to make, make anything questionable. He was involved. Now, this, the challenge for us, James gives us, James 1.22, because here's a, a battlefield that we are all on. It says, James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, we can get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in church. It's easy to get caught up in Bible study. It's easy to get caught up in so many things and just become this sort of emporium of information. You know, we, we can do really cool, you know, Bible quiz tests or trivia and all that kind of, you know, who, how many fleas were on so-and-so's camel and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what we're called to do. See, God said it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And now God's calling Abraham to do both. I want you to obey me and I want you to sacrifice the one and only son that I provided for you. And it's one of those things where he could have heard that and he could have thought about that. And well, maybe when he's older or maybe at a different time. But no, he knew God's talking about now. 
And, and I would challenge you, what are the things in your life that you know are ordained by God and things that you should be doing? Are you walking in them? Are you patterning your life? Are you aligning your life to that truth? Because we're, I know we're quick to point the finger and say, God, where are you? And how come you're not doing this? And why aren't you working in my life? And God's like, I'm waiting for you to show up. I'm waiting for you to, to start walking in obedience. How can I trust you to, to do what I give you if you're not even in my presence? Obedience is such a key element. Now, as parents, we all know that, right? We all expect it. We all want obedience. You know, no, don't stop. You know, I've got a, a granddaughter who's learning all those fun little words. It's interesting to watch. You know, she said, you say no to her, and she's like, do you really mean it? Really? You don't want me to touch this? <laughs> really? <laughs> but it's like, it's like I laugh because I'm like, how many times do I do that to God? How many times do I do that to God? You know, don't, don't even have this in your presence or don't go near this or don't bring this around you. And you're just kind of, you know, you dance around these things sometimes. God gives us clarity. God's word gives us such clarity. And for, for us to negotiate it is just foolish. And we don't see that here with Abraham, do we? There was no negotiation. God spoke and he moved into action. Now, obedience for the non-Christian, the non-Christ follower, that would be being a doer of the word and coming to Christ. That's what, that would be the expectation there for God. For the Christ follower, it would mean to take inventory of what you know and determine, are you living by it? See, that's the challenge. Are you living by the truth you already know? Or is it just a collection of information? Because otherwise, it's really pointless. If you've got all this data in your head, and, and you know it, and you can talk about it, but you're not living by it, What's the point? Why, why even go after it? Because God would say, no, this is supposed to infuse into your heart. It's supposed to change you. It's supposed to move you in a direction that's going to make you far more usable in my hands. Because it softens us to be moldable in his hands. To be usable in his hands. And we challenge that sometimes. So obedience is the first part of this test. And, and as we can see, Abraham... He was all about it. Part two is faith. Uh, read with me, starting in verse four. It says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Did you catch that? And we will come back to you. What's going through Abraham's head right now? He's going to sacrifice the child. What's going on? How is he so certain he's coming back? Let's continue on. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Now we can see how strong Abraham's faith was. I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically in a minute uh, when we go to Hebrews. But we will come back to you. And this is on the front end of this whole crazy circumstance. We're coming back. You guys wait here. We'll be back. God also will provide for the offering. Now the cool thing here is we, we, we learn some stuff about who Isaac is. Isaac was connected to the way this family lived. He's like, hey, this, we're missing something, Dad. Where's it at? He, he knew what the process was. He knew what should have been there. And he was starting to question and what was going on. And, and as we get a little further into the story, you, you see the compliance of Isaac which to me is mind-blowing. Because as they're walking in this obedient mindset with faith completely in God, he is the only one that can show up and, and do anything about what's about to happen. He's the only one. And they're walking toward this situation that is life-changing for both of them. I mean, it's a challenge to kill somebody you don't like. <laughs> but imagine the very one that you love the most. You're called to sacrifice on an altar. I, I can't even imagine um, what that would be like. Uh, my daughter's uh, in the medical field and she talks about people that do weird stuff. And there's people down at the lab where she works, and she's like, they try to draw their own blood. It's the weirdest thing. Who would want to do that? She's like, I don't like someone else drawing my blood. I wouldn't even want to try to. But I, you know, I said, honey, sometimes when we're in places, <laughs> we got to do things that aren't easy. And that's what I see happening in Abraham's life here. To obey at this kind of a level I mean, we're never called to do anything like this, yet we struggle. We're never asked to do something this profound, and we struggle. But the cool thing is, is God understands that. And that's why he, he wants to be a part of this journey with us. I think when we try to do these things alone, when we try to, to step out and do them apart from God, that's where we struggle greater. God's got to be a part of this. And I think the relationship that Abraham and God had was so connected that he could do something like this. Something so unthinkable. All right, I said we were going to Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It's probably up there, yep. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac... And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So we see this whole element of faith where, again, this is where we think about resurrection, which normally, right, we don't wait, we, we, New Testament is that we talk about resurrection. But we see it here. And Abraham knew of God's power and that this could happen. And that's why he could say some of the things he said. And that's why he was prepared to do some of the things he did. He didn't like it. He didn't understand it. 
but he trusted God. Now, we struggle with that. In fact, my, my son is struggling with that right now, and my daughter-in-law. They're, they're in the process of trying to buy a new home, and they finally found one that was in their price range. Um, Shannon fell in love with this house. They put an offer in. It was countered. They counted again, and it was accepted. And they were, yeah, it's going to happen. They were excited. And then the family was, came back and said, well, you know, we're having a hard time finding a house. Well, they were the motivated seller on the front end of this, and they couldn't wait to get out of this house. And now they can't find a house, and we may just take it off the market and stay here. And they were like, what? Because <laughs> they're ready to get settled. They're ready to finally, you know, get settled and kind of live life. But God is in control. And it's, I, I, it's funny, you know, only third-party people can see what God's doing sometimes in a life. Because I look at them and I, I can see their personalities, I can see where they're at, I can see what they want. And I see God's trying to work on them in some really cool ways to get them completely dependent, yielded, surrendered to Him. Because they've worked really hard. They worked really hard. They, they you know, went through all kinds of listings and they looked at houses and they drove by and they, in the morning and in the night and checked out neighborhoods and they, they did their homework. And they thought, oh, it's finally come. And now they're like, you might not even sell your house. Come on. But God's working. God's moving in their hearts. God's trying to get them to that place where, okay, Lord, all right, if this isn't the one way, hey, we're fine with that. There's another one, and we're, we'll be looking for that. And it's, I remember when he did that for us. We looked for 22 months here. It was insane. We couldn't afford a doghouse when we got here, which was so bizarre. And so I understand that struggle, and especially for you know, all you moms or wives or women who like, like to get your house in order. Shannon's dying to do that. And she just feels so up in the air and so unsettled and she just can't wait to do that. But she may have to wait. And God will work there. Walking by faith necessitates keeping your eyes on God and not on the circumstances. But man, aren't the circumstances loud? Aren't they right in your face? Don't they just overwhelm? I know they do in my life. That's why you've got to look through the circumstances to see God, to understand his heart, to understand that he's working in all of these things in our life. We've got to do that. All right, so part one, obedience. Part two, faith. The third part of this test, surrender. Starting in verse 9, it says, Then they came to the place of which God had told them told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Are you that surrendered today? To where you could walk through this kind of a circumstance knowing that God's in control and I just need to yield to him. It's a, it's a challenging place to get. 
Because we come to conclusions and we come to certain places in our mind that we think this is how it is and this is how it's going to be and this and this and this. And God says, well, what about what I say? See, I designed you. I built you. I knit you together. I know how you work. I know what you need. I know what's going to profit you. I know what's best for you. And if you will surrender to my will, surrender to my word, it's going to work. It's going to change you in ways that you don't understand. It's going to change you in ways that are going to make you so much more in tune with me. I mean, think about it. It's funny, I was talking to somebody the other night, and they're like, I just want God to talk to me. I just want to hear his voice. I just want to hear, you know, do this and do that, and I just want to hear him. And that's available. How do we do that, right? Seek and you shall find. Be still and know that I am God. And that there's all of these ways that God says, this is how you find me. We want the phone call. We want the text. We want the email. We want the tweet. Because it's immediate. It's like, I, it's, I caught myself the other day. It's just like, you know, I used to be like, yeah, yeah, somebody, you know, somebody texted me, I'll get back to it. Now it's like, you know, beep, beep, it goes off. And I'm like, what is it? What do I need to do? And it's like, I'm be, it's crazy. It, it gets a hold of you. It's that easy. We, we've got to be more in tune with God than we are with all the other stuff that's out there. And obedience and faith and surrender are the path. But that's hard, right? That's challenging. But is it worth it? Because I would rather have a relationship with God that is so vibrant and so connected that I can trust my decisions, that I can trust that when I go to him and he talks to me that I, I can do it immediately and know that things are going to happen. Things are going to work. Maybe not the way I think they are. That's where we struggle, right? Because the expectation is, well, I'm following God and I'm doing what he says and this happened. So? There's, there, God's in that. He's in the bumps. He's in the, the hiccups. He's in the breaks situation. He's in all of that. And if there's one thing that God has finally gotten through to me, and I, I am in such a better place in my life, I don't get cranked about stuff when it goes wrong. Now, I have my moments. Don't get me wrong. But for the most part, it's like getting upset does not solve the situation. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't miraculously, like, fix everything. It just gets me all bent out of shape and unable to hear what God has to say to me. And God wants to be in my ear all the time saying, I love you, I care for you, I, I'm working in your life, I want you to move in this way, I want you to do these things. And I've got to be in tune with that. And obedience, faith, and surrender make that so much louder for me. I think it did for Abraham as well. 
Ecclesiastes. Oh, no, wait. A couple things. God tested Abraham to reveal to him what level of surrender he had. So here's some things. Uh, required his only son to be given for a burnt offering. Provided specific instructions for when and where the sacrifice would take place. Prepared an altar for the sacrifice. Prepared his own son for that offering. Brought Abraham to the very act of killing his son while upon the altar. He was surrendered. He was mid he was there. And, and that's the commitment he wants from us. That's the surrender he wants from us. We are all in. No holds back. We're not going to, we're going to, yes, Lord. We're not going to go, is this what you really mean? Is this what you really want? Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. Are you sure? Are you sure? No. He was going up and ready to come down. And it was Abraham, Abraham. To get his attention because that's how in tune with what God wanted him to do he was. Now Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. It says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Surrender. And I'll tell you, in surrender, there is rest. In surrender, there is peace. In surrender, there are so many benefits and blessings. You'll be amazed. Because you can trust what God's doing and you can rest in his word. Ultimate surrender compels you to give every area of your life to the Lord. But the caveat to that is holding nothing back. We can't hold it back. All right, part four. We got a cruise. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. It's, like, it's so nonchalant. Well, instead of his son, he took the ram. It's like sports commentators, play by play. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Or my wife says, don't forget, that's Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> yes, we know that, honey. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So just some reminders. Father's provision may require you to do hard things this side of heaven. Father's provision requires complete surrender. Abraham was fully prepared to sacrifice. Father provides everything we need when we lift our eyes and look. See, sometimes we are so in the circumstances, so in the problem. And God's like, I've got the answer. It's right over here. It's caught in the thicket. Look up. Look up. Don't, don't, don't just stay so connected to this stuff. Look up. And it's so easy to just get buried in the circumstances and overwhelmed by what's happening. And we don't look up. Father's provision may require us to be ready to act and receive it. Because that's the thing. It wasn't just like, you know, God delivered it. You know, lambs are us. Ding, ding. Got to burn an offering for you. No, he had to still be participant in this. He had to go and, and free the ram and then prepare the ram for the sacrifice. And sometimes when things don't come real easy for us, we think God's, God's left us alone. 
He's abandoned me. Where is he? Doesn't he know what's going on in my life? Doesn't he know what I'm struggling with? He's like, look up. Look for the solution I provided for you. Look to me. Hear my voice. Don't do this on your own. You know, as men, we're, we're challenged there, right? And part of that's by design. God's created men to be independent. He's created us to be fixers. He's created us to be compartmentalized and, you know, be able to do things like that on purpose. Now, you ladies out there are like, oh, wow, that's all men? That's not just my husband? <laughs> that's who we are. God's designed us that way. That's why it's so profound when a man surrenders. Because people take notice on what's going on. When we surrender and look to the provision of God, it starts to speak volumes to the world. Because that's not how they operate. Right? Work harder, work smarter, work longer. Kill yourself. And God says, no, I provide so much more for my children. I provide for them in ways that you don't understand. I provide in a way that's going to meet the needs. And this is literally, and again, this, to me, this is so indicative of God's timing. I mean, God is so 11th hour, 59 second. I, I get frustrated with that. I'm a planner, you know. Why couldn't it be like prime time? <laughs> But that's not how God works, because he wants to reveal the heart. Not to him, he knows our heart. But to us. I mean, I can't imagine what relief Abraham felt after this whole situation went down. But not only that, how committed he realized he was to God's plan. It's like, man, God, God had me put my son on an altar and, and I was about to come down with the knife and this whole thing was supposed to go down and God provided this other thing for me and, I, okay, his plan is true and it is right and I can trust him even more and it got stronger on that mountain. Because God provided for him in a way that he could not just like he does for us. Especially those of us who trust God, we know Jesus Christ was that substitute, right? We should have been the one on the altar. We should have been the one paying for our sins. But Christ provided a substitute so that we don't have to go through that. Now, a couple things. Oh boy, I gotta move fast. Isaac as an archetype of Jesus Christ. An archetype is basically a symbol or a picture of who, who Christ here. So, there are actually 30 connected to this story. I'm not going to give you all 30. <laughs> I will give you the highlights. Um, Isaac was Abraham's only son. Christ was God's only son. Isaac was a beloved son. Christ is a beloved son. Isaac's age. Now, there's conflict there. I'll let you come to whatever you want to come to. Some say Isaac was about 25, some say he was 36, many say he was 33, which was the same age as Christ when he was crucified. 
Um, a donkey was part of Isaac's journey. A donkey was part of Christ's journey into Jerusalem. Isaac was to be offered up on the third day. Christ was perfected on the third day. Um, Isaac's only hope was resurrection. Christ provided hope through resurrection. Isaac carried the wood to be sacrificed upon. Christ carried his wooden cross to be sacrificed upon. Isaac needed a substitute so he would not have to die. Christ is our substitute so we don't have to die. Isaac's place of sacrifice was Mount Moriah. That's what they call it in the Old Testament. Christ, it was Mount Calvary or Zion. Same place. You think God's trying to tell us some stuff here? In Genesis when the whole story was starting. And it hasn't changed in all this time. He will provide for us. He has provided for us. And that's where it comes to trust. Do we trust him? Will we trust him? Just as God provided a ram to die in Isaac's place, God provided Jesus to die in our place. All right, I've got a very few moments to give us our test results, and I'm going to give you a quick quiz. Test results for Abraham, uh, starting in verse 15. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Abraham demonstrated unshakable faith in the power, goodness, and truth of God. Unshakable in unbelievable circumstances. Now, ooh, running out of time, play and beat the clock. Here's my quiz for you based on Abraham's test. Part one, obedience. Are you a doer of the word or just a hearer only? Two, faith. Are you on God's path and trusting his direction? Or are you just kind of doing your own thing? Part three, surrender. Are you fully yielded? To God's plans for your life. Part four, provision. Are you prepared for God's provision? You're ready with the knife in hand. Because the results, well, see, that's cool. God gives us this stuff on the front end. If, if you live this way, personal and generational blessing. So you can bless everyone past you just by doing these things in your life. Abraham and Isaac, witnesses to the loving provision of God. He wants to provide for us. For those who are not Christ followers, he wants to be the Savior. He wants to see you have eternal life. For those who are Christ followers, he wants us to have more. More than what we settle for. We settle so often for God's good or God's better. But there's still God's best sometimes. And he wants us to have those things. But there is a path to get them. And, and we've got to trust God's path in that. So let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and uh, Lord, you are a good, good father. 
It's just, it, like the song says, it is who you are. And Lord, we're so thankful for this example of what a father does and how he interacts with his family. Lord, we're humbled by your goodness. We're humbled by your care. I pray, Lord, that each one of us today would consider these four areas in our life. And know that, Lord, you are ready to bless as we become more proficient in how we live with you and how we develop our relationship with you. Father, we're thankful for who you are, for how you work. Lord, change us. Transform our thinking to be more like Christ, to be more like you, so that we can go out in a dark world and be a bright, shining light for you. And it's in the name of Christ we do pray. Amen.